This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Uber Eats hates late, but occasionally something unpredictable happens, causing your double bacon cheeseburger to be delayed. And on the off chance your order is late, we'll make it right with three months $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. That's kind of a big deal. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at nine ninety nine each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply. Here's Hog Dini! Do not scratch your eyes! Do not scratch your eyes! Do not scratch your eyes! On the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast, we welcome our next special guest, Gifton Noel Williams. Good evening, Gifton. How are you? Good evening, Justin. I'm good, thanks. Glad to be here tonight. We're glad you're here. It's great, to, and it's good to see you. Last time I saw you, Gifton, you weren't quite as hirsute as you are now. You seem to have quite a lot of hair these days. I'm telling you, most of my pictures from back in the days, I've got I'm a skinhead. Gifton, um, absolute pleasure to be talking to you on this podcast. Um, for me personally, you were a player that I uh, not I don't want to say grew up with because there isn't actually a lot of indifference in age in us. But you were kind of one of those players that I used to when I was younger. I used to think, oh, I wish I was Gifton Old Williams. I wish I was that tall. I wish I had the power. Uh, I always remember the goal against Sunderland, which we'll, we'll we'll cover. Talking about your Watford career, what I'm interested in is how you kind of got there. You know what? Because I've heard kind of stories and. I'll give you one in a, in a second. Um, you're, you're born in North London. There's loads of teams around this area, which is what Watford suffer with in, in the supporting stakes anyway, with Tottenham and Arsenal and, and everyone. How was your sort of development? Where did you, you, you kind of start to get into the into the Watford hierarchy, if you like? Back then, back in the days, Watford used to have a satellite programme in Brent Cross because they were trying to get more inner city kids. Mm. So it was, it was run by a guy called Roy Dunn, um, great guy. And um, the, the coach, one of the, the main scouts for Watford at the time for London was a guy called Carl Dixon. Carl Dixon's a legend, like in my opinion. He's a legend. He's a, he used to pick us up. Like, if he'd done it now, someone would really stop him. The police would either stop him or... or um, <laughs> He's picking up kids in a van. Yeah, someone would have complained or something like that. By wow. Because he would get, like, maybe 10 of us in the back of the car somehow. <laughs> 
<laughs> and pick us all up as well, meet us in places and get us to Brent Cross. And it all started from a, his, he had a Sunday team called Arvinsdale. So I played for Arvinsdale and I've done really well for Arvinsdale. And he said, you know what, I think I want to bring you to Watford. So he brought me to Watford and, and the, st- the story started there, really. There was a bunch of us from Arvinsdale who played for Watford, but it was Watford Brent Cross. So what we do, we would play our own little games every now and again. And then yeah. play the Watford boys as well every now and again. And then they would kind of pick a bunch of us to come together at a certain age to go to, to be part of the, the Watford group, the main Watford. Oh. So that's how it kind of started. That's how it started. I mean, you were you were young. I mean, you were you were sixteen. Obviously, you still hold the record now for youngest goal scorer at Watford. I heard a story, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, and this could be a rumor or anything, but I want to <laughs> I want to run it past you. There's a rumor that apparently you were on the train wherever you used to live. So you were, you were going back into London. Right. You got a phone call to sort of say. Gifton, you need to get your ass back to Watford because there's a good chance you're going to be in and around the first team. And you were like, oh, do you know what? I'm not really sure because I'm, I'm home now and I'm so close to home. And then you got off the train and then you actually went, no, do you know what? I'll get back on the train and go back. Any truth in that or is that? No, no, there's not really truth in that story. But I think someone could have got it mixed up with another story. Okay. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to run you the other story just because we're on the Go show. Go for it. <laughs> what, what I'm going to really give you the, the story of how I met Kenny Jacket. So really, Kenny Jacket for me is 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 up there. He's he's, he's the, the the my my football daddy as I, as I call him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been been laughed at that all my life, and and I've been here football daddy. I'll accept it. Um, but Kenny, I was under 14, and I was playing at Watford. We're going for coming up from London, playing and stuff, and. The coach at the time wasn't really having me, you know. The whole, the London boys and the Watford boys, we got in trouble on the train a couple of times. We had a couple of fights and <laughs> they, wasn't really, they wasn't really having the London boys, you know. It was a bit too loud and boisterous. So there was a bunch of us that looked like we didn't get released. Anyway, this Sunday, we had a game against Ipswich away and we all turned up at Euston train station and they said there's going to be a delay. I think it was like a 45-minute delay. So we called Watford and we said, well, there's a 45-minute delay what should we do? The coach said, go home. We don't need you, it's fine, just go home. So all the boys went home. I called my cousin, rest in peace, Michael, who was my, my football mentor. He said to me, go to Watford, right? You have to go to Watford. When you get to the stadium, call me. I was like, oh, you're having a laugh. Like, I go, all the boys are going home. I go all the way back to Watford on the train, wait 45 minutes, then go to Watford on the train, walk all the way to the stadium. So I've done it anyway. Got to the stadium, called Michael. Michael, I'm at the stadium. No one's here. Can I come home now? I said, yeah, you can come home now. <sighs> Put the phone down. Just going to walk off. And Kenny Jacket comes walk, driving down the road. So he sees me in my, my trap suit. And so he said, what's up, son? Like, what are we doing there? What's up? So I explained to him the story. I, we was late, the train, blah, 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 blah. He goes, oh, but you still came? I said, yeah. He goes, I love that, son. I love that. You can play for my boys today. <laughs> so when we played for my under-14s, I played for the under-15s. So I helped Kenny pack, pack all the kit up and all that kind of stuff. And the under-15s were playing at home. So we, I went to the game with Kenny and Kenny played me and I played, I must have scored about two or three goals. So from then, Kenny kind of kept a track on me. And then about two months later, Kenny took one of our games against QPR because our coach was sick. And I must have scored about, I think I scored maybe eight, nine goals. I, I wanted to point, you know, I wanted to a point that this is my guy, you know, this is this is the guy that believed in me, you know. And after that, he took me under his wing and I played for the youth team when I was under 15s. Um, when I was under 16, I played for the whole season in the youth team. 
I scored 21 goals. Wayne Andrews scored 29 goals. He was under 18. I was under 16. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And then Wayne Kelly got the first team job. As you know, he, he, we, I know we're going to go into the debut, so I don't want to spoil it all, but he gave my debut. So, But that's where the story started from. Some of my got it mixed up. Yeah, yeah, team. I think, yeah. That's, that, that sounds, your story's better. and you tell it better as well yeah (laughs) yeah exactly definitely so as a 16 year old you're 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 at Watford and we're we're gonna you just mentioned it there your your debut take me through or you know what's going on up there as as a young kid being from North London was was football always in your in your family or was that always you know what you wanted to be or did you just was it just one of those things you kind of fell into all right so I'll give you a little bit of update so yeah 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 Um, my cousin bought me a Arsenal top. Oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> I, stood, I stood in front of everyone and I shouted, I'm going to be a professional footballer. Wow, that's a statement, yeah. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> but I swear in my life, that moment when he bought me that shirt, I had a certain feeling. And then about three years later, he brought me to a live Arsenal Tottenham derby game at Ivory. And I was in the clock end. Break you in gently. Yeah. Man, yeah we won 2-1. And after that, I was sold. I said, I want to be out there. You want to do it. And then from then, all my life, all I was thinking about was being a professional footballer. So nothing else really mattered. But going into my life now, um, some people may know, some people may not know, but I had my first kid when I was 16. I was a bit of a fast boy, as I said before. So um, <laughs> I, uh, when I left school, um, I was my, my my first wife was already pregnant uh, with my, wow. first, my first child. So I've obviously left school in, in, in June started pre-season in July. So rumours, everyone's finding out now that I've got a kid coming. People are finding out more. Rumours are going around. So I get a call. I get told that the gaffer wants to see me. Graham Taylor wants to see me. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> God. Because there was a kid about about two weeks, about a year before, got released from Leighton Orient because he had a kid. Yeah, so, so you I'm, heard about that and were like, oh, the gaffer, I'm done. Everyone's like, give you a finish. And I'm like, I'm finished. Oh, That's done. But I never realised that Watford rated me highly. I didn't realise that. In my yeah, yeah. Opinion, I'm finished, right? Yeah. So I walk, I drag myself over to Graham Taylor's office. When I mean drag myself over, drag myself over. <laughs> it took me about an hour to get over there, where it's only a five-minute walk. Um, so I've got over there. In the gaffer's room, he'd have a big chair and a small chair. And the small chair was always a bit lower. So you always, like, he's always higher than you. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he sat me down there. So I think I'm in, I'm in, I'm in trouble. He's going to tell me that he's getting rid of me and shout at me or whatever. So he said to me, "Gif, I've heard that you've got a baby on the way." Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's the truth. I've got pregnant. And so what? Are you with her? What's I said, "Yeah, we're together." My mum knows. Blah blah blah. I go through the whole story and that kind of stuff. How are you surviving? Are you what are you doing? Like, are you got stuff for the baby? I said, "I'll get by, Gaffer." And he goes, "I don't like your get by, Sam. I don't like your get by because because he, he knew." They knew my history and being in North London and a bit of a bit of a bad boy. He knew me getting by and maybe meant that I was doing something I shouldn't be doing. That you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, right. So <clears throat> he said, I, he goes, I don't want you getting by. He goes, how much do you need? What do you need? So I told him all the stuff that I need. You know, pram, this, that, blah, 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 blah. He goes, how much will it cost? I, I think he came up to something like, I don't know, a grand or something like that. He went, he went I don't want you to worry about anything apart from football. And he took out his own personal checkbook out of his pocket and it was his, per- it wasn't Watford's checkbook, it was his personal, Graham Taylor's checkbook. And he wrote me a check for two grand. And he said, anytime you need anything, you come to me. He goes, all I want you to do is focus on football. You've got a big future ahead of you, son. Just focus on football. I went in the office thinking I was going to get released. 
and I walked out of the office on cloud nine. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Like, you know, that, that, that just shows the, the, the measure of the man. He was yep. a, yeah, yeah. He was a great man. He, he wasn't just talk. He was a great man by action. He was a great man by mentoring the way he, he, he treat people. I don't think, I don't think sometimes he rubbed people up the wrong way. Hmm. Like that was that was him part of him being a great man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Well, yeah. any great man is liked by everyone. Yeah, That's well, it. you can't be. Yeah, we we've <laughs> spoken to Tony Coton who played under Graham Taylor. We spoke to Nick Wright who played under Graham Taylor. We talk regularly to Luther Blissett as well. And stories like yours always come out, and everyone always has lovely things to say about Graham Taylor, um, which speaks volumes of the man. I think. I mean, he's absolutely loved. You know, I could tell you so many other people's stories, but I don't want to. It's not my place to talk about it. Yeah, no, 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 no. Of course, you know, so many people out in different situations. People that were struggling with alcohol, being divorced, gambling, all kind of other situations that they were in, and he was always there as a mentor, as a, as someone. Not only him, he had, he had a team behind him as well. He was clever enough to have a good team mm. behind him to know that there's some players that. It's better if Luther spoke to them or Kenny spoke to them or Gilligan, Jimmy Gilligan spoke to them. So he was Jimmy Gilligan. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, so um, you know, I think part of being a great leader is knowing your your strengths and your weaknesses, and then getting people around you that can fill those gaps. Yeah, definitely, that, definitely. That's to him being a great man. You no, know? nah, that's amazing. That's an amazing story, though. Absolutely amazing story. So, just moving it on slightly, what take me to your to your debut. Take me. Do you remember it? I mean, because we we speak as Justin said, we speak to a lot of footballers, and they they just they blank over certain not just things don't quite connect in there in there. Like Nick Wright scoring the goal at Wembley, he's just like I don't really remember it. I just swung the foot at it and it went in. That was it. He's like, come on, Nick, we want more. Yes. Well, I'll be honest with you. You could probably ask me about loads of games, and I'll probably be able to tell you. Why you got a good memory for it? Because I felt it. I felt yeah. Yeah. It. Throughout the game, I was in the games. There was a thought process. I wasn't that they running around. There was a thought process in what I was doing. I could remember yeah. sometimes what I was thinking. So right. I'm going to say about my debut, right? So my debut. So obviously, Kenny loves me. Um, <laughs> a few boys. There was loads of injuries, and um, they had a cup match. So it was. He said to me, "Well, you're going to come along." I was a top boy in the youth team at the point, scoring goals in the youth team, doing well, training with the first team, and doing well with the first team. So it was like, well, you might as well come for the trip. So I was like the 19th man. And then it was only three subs, and no, mm. like 16th or 17th man. So it was it was the the three subs, the two guys that ain't gonna play, and then I was the extra man after that. After that, <laughs> it was not just I was gonna be on the bench. It was more come for the journey, make the coffees, make the tea, let the boys bully me a little bit, let them let me get a bit stronger in the get main. the experience. Right, when I say bully, not bully, it wasn't bullying. Yeah, 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 but I know but what you it mean. It was yeah. toughening me up so that. I get used to the men's environment, you know? Mm. And so that's what I thought I was there for. It just so happened that it was an overnight trip and three or four of the boys got um, food poisoning. Ooh. Yeah, it was three of the boys got food poisoning. So Were you in the kitchen that night? I think I was. <laughs> 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 in there. She drove to Sunderland and sorted it out. <laughs> I've gone from basically just being on a trip, just having a laugh, basically, with... Because at that time, Clint Easton was there, Wayne Andrews was there, Paul Robinson. So I played with these guys in the youth team last year. Mm. They're my guys. So I'm just chilling with them. I was a bad boy at school. So Kenny made a deal with my mum. My mum made a deal with Kenny that when I didn't go to school, I used to go and train with the first team. Right. So I used to go and train with Mooney and, and I go back Devin White and Gary Paul wow. and Hesse. 
and all those guys, I've known those guys since I was 14 because... Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. Ozzy and, and all of those guys, you know. Um, so because of that, I knew a lot of the guys already that were there and it was kind of okay. So that didn't really... It was like, I'm just with the guys who I know already. I was quiet. I wasn't boisterous and I was quiet, but, but I knew the boys. And then it wasn't until, I think, the game. We went to the changing rooms and I didn't know about all this stuff behind the scenes. So we went to the changing rooms and Kenny said... Before he named the team, he goes, I'm going to put you on the bench, son. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so then I thought, you know what? I thought, all right. I thought Wayne was on the bench and Clint was on the bench, I'm sure. And I knew that Wayne is a striker, so Wayne's going to get on before me. So I'm probably not going to get on. Does that make sense, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. enjoyed it. Moving yeah. up on the sideline, listening to... It was at Roker Park, of all places. So Yeah, tough wow. places. Roker Park. Having us... They're swearing out, they're having us. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. I've never experienced I'm mad. And then we're losing the game. So we're losing the game. The game's going on. I hear Kenny and Lufa talking. Kenny goes, Give, get changed, you're going on. What? <laughs> on. So by the time, it was no time to really get scared or have any full emotion. It was like, get my shin pads on, get my shirt on. And and it was like, all right, good luck, son. I'm really going on. I've got to go. <laughs> I'm really going on. But what really helped me is that within, I think, the first minute, someone gave me a ball in the final third and I dribbled. I took a player on. I took another player on. And then Tony Colton come out and just got the ball. He dived. He just got the ball before me. Wow. You know, so that's how I almost scored. And I was like, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your debut, the goalkeeper in goal on your debut was Tony Colton. Yeah, where yeah he, he was at Sunder, wasn't he? Yeah. He was done at the time, yeah. Right, Towards okay. the end of his career, that was, yeah. It was, though, correct, yeah. So it was like, he come out and got it, and I was like, you know what? This is easy. And then the <laughs> game went on. I think I might maybe have some half chance or whatever. The game went on. But, you know, after that, it was like, oh, I really can do this with these guys. You know, I know these guys anyway. I could train with them. Yeah. I could do it. And, and then the rest is, we can talk about little bits. Yeah, it's history, isn't it? I mean, because you, for, for a 16-year-old, I mean, going back, I, I remember meeting you in, in Watford Town Centre once as a physical specimen. You, I mean, you were a monster. You were huge. You know, like you had everything, high, everything. And we'll come on to when we do the questions, but I always remember like you holding balls in corner flags for fun. You know, people <laughs> trying to smash you left, right, centre. You're like, whatever, I'm just not. <laughs> you know, it's funny is that if I've got my son, my eldest son is 22. Mm. I was 24, but my eldest, my eldest child is 24, but my eldest son is 22. I'm talking about him because he plays right now. He plays in Spain. Yeah. And, um, and his physique, he's, he's taller than me. So really? Just like I am, but wow. he's taller. Wow. And How I'm, tall are you? I'm six foot and half an inch. People think I'm taller, but I'm only six Yeah, I thought you were taller. Yeah, then again, I'm like... Yeah, we're not very tall. Nothing, we're so down here. I used to jump very high. So I used to jump very high. People thought I was very, I was yes. Sports. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Son, I have in my head, like, you're 6'4". I don't know why, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> no, a lot of people thought that, yeah. A lot of people would see me, like, outside of football and be like, oh, you're not as tall as I thought you were. So like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers, yeah. yeah Thanks for that, yeah. I am tall, but I'm not, like, as tall as you think. So... The 97-98 season was the season that we were promoted from the old second division to the old first division. And you were part of that. This Jason was, Lee. This was, <laughs> this was Graham Taylor's first season back in charge properly because 
he sort of came in and helped Kenny, didn't he? I think, and then he became the manager. Did he help or hinder? No, well, that's another. That's another story. But yeah, at the time, the gaffer was always there, even though he was the general manager. He was always about. You knew that he was about, and hmm. it, was, it was good in being about. You, you learned so much from him. So he, I'm not. I'm not going to put it as a negative either one, really, because yeah, it worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a that was a fantastic season. Uh, obviously, we went up as champions, and there was just so many games along the way in that season that were you know absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, there was the game at uh, Kenilworth uh, where we won four 0 which I'll never forget. As long as I live, I'll never forget that game. But it was many other games as well that were just great, and that was really when you started to break through and um, start scoring a lot of goals, and you know became the Gifton that we know. Who were your favourite players to play with during that season? Who did you like playing up front with? You got to talk about Jason Lee and Ronnie Rosenthal. Ronnie, Ronnie Rosenthal. Rosenthal. Oh, what a signing that was. The Rocket. Way. Ronnie Rosenthal and Jason Lee. And, and I mean that because us three up front was a problem. Oh, yeah. Mm. I had so much energy, I could run for days. So I would do my run and Ronnie's running, and I was happy to do it. Right. <laughs> I, was happy, I was happy for Ronnie to, to walk around the pitch. He was getting I mean, paid five times more than you, though, Gifton. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I was young and I had the energy. Young people have to run around, you know? Yeah, yeah. I never had as much wisdom as him. So what I loved about him, he would just be walking around the pitch and then he'd pick the ball up in a certain pocket and he's gone. And next thing, I've got to tap him. Yeah. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll run for you, Ronnie, no problem. I'll yeah. do you running, mate. No, uh, no problem at all. Darren Baisley was a big part of that. Oh, yeah, quality yeah. was, Darren yeah. Baisley. Baisley's crossing. I've never played with another winger as good a crosser as Baisley. Baisley's really? crossing. Oh, his crossing was second to none, and his, his his crossing was great, but also his signals. Right. So I knew there was a certain thing he would do, and then before he's going to cross it, he always done certain things. So when he done certain things, I know the next touch the ball's coming in. Right. Right. And I knew that if he kept on his right foot and went on his left foot, he'll have one more touch maximum, and it's coming in regardless. Wow. So you as a striker, you make your first run, it doesn't come in, make a second run, it's coming in. It's very clear. It's very very clear and simple. So. So it was clear and simple. It made us our movement easy. So people thought, "Oh, great movement!" No, I just know what he's going to do. So I would yeah, run yeah. post. Jason would spin back post. If he checks on his left foot, I'll spin back post. Jason will come near post. We'll get a goal. Wow! Just that second, that split second. I know what's happening before the defender knows what's happening. Right, and that's yeah, what yeah, you exactly. need. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what you need. Yeah. yeah so bits, bits was important for me. Bits was 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 a big part. Then you talk about Mike. You know what? I want to go for the whole team. Micah Hyde and Jono in midfield. Oh, like, Jono. This Micah and Jono were just the generals in midfield. They trampled over people. Yeah. Yeah, Peter on the yeah I don't think I don't think Micah Hyde gets the credit he deserves looking back. You know, especially when I, I look back now, I, I used to think, God, you know, I, I, I didn't even really appreciate him at the time. But then when you look back at what we had in that, that season that yeah. we, we went up and what we went on to achieve, yeah. you actually look back and you think, Jesus, Micah Hyde was a good player. Yeah. You know what the difference is? What is, is that? People appreciate people for certain things. So, mm. Jono, everyone loved Jono because he'll smash one from oh, half. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he could ping a ball 30, 40 yards with both feet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it looks beautiful. When I, I spin off, Jono pings one 30 yards. I ping it down to my chest. I score. Everyone are gifting and, and gifting and Jono what players, right? Yeah. But then no one realised that Micah has been box to box. He's won the ball back. He's yeah. won He's played a couple, two, three, one or two, one, twos with someone. Yep. Then giving the ball to Jono. Yeah. And now Jono played a forty-yard pass, but people, yeah. people, the highlights don't go that far back to see. Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah You're yeah. right. You are right. What you're saying. Jono done, but the people that play with Micah 
they love Mike because they realise he's Michael was the one of the fittest guys. On the bleep test, he'll get like number eighteen or nineteen. Really? So he's like, the last yeah, one standing, is he? Yeah, we're all sitting down stretching. <laughs> you know and I mean? he's still going. He's still going. He's still going. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Give it a rest, Micah. Come yeah. on. It was amazing. It was amazing. You managed to bag eleven goals in that season um, in thirty-eight appearances, which is not bad for a first full season, really, is it? That's um, that's quite a good return. Yeah, you know, I was seventeen going on eighteen that season, so it was. That's so young, Gifton. That's so young. Yeah. It really yeah. is. I mean, I've got children older than that, and I think I think of them yeah. thinking them playing for Watford professionally. That's just it. All blows my mind a little bit uh, how young you yeah. were when you were doing that. Yeah, and that, all credit to you, mate. Honestly, all credit to you for, for yeah, exactly. being that young. I think it's just, I love football. And mm. I know it's easy to just say this, I love football, everyone says that. But even now, I just love football. Right. Yeah, yeah. Even now with what I do all my life, it's every day is football. You know, talking football, coaching football, being around football. I just love football so much that having money and all that is nice. And they're all nice things, you know, we all love money. We all love being yeah. successful. Yeah, but, of course, yeah. But actually, actually, I wanted to play football. I wanted to score goals. I wanted to, to be the best. And, and even when I was at Watford playing well, I still weren't the best. I still weren't England internationally. I still weren't playing in the top league. So I was humble because I wanted to get to where I wanted to get to. So that season culminated in that game at Fulham, which I'm gutted to say I missed. I had to work that day. So yeah, I bet you, I was were, there. Bet you were on the pitch after as well, weren't you? Yeah, man, I had sunburn, big, big red head. <laughs> but that was, wasn't it down to the wire? It was kind of, we had to win that game and Bristol City had to lose or something if we were going to be champions. Was that right? I can't quite remember the... Um, yeah, it was Bristol City, yeah. Yeah. yeah if you remember, I'll give you a little run-up. Bristol City were ahead of us by six points. And we had we played them in midweek and we beat them at our place midweek. I think it was 3-1 or right. I think I scored that game as well, right? <laughs> and then because of that, we brought the points back to three points. And then we had to win on the final day and they lost. And then we they lost. One goal difference. And then we won at Fulham and they lost. Some Something along those lines. I knew it yeah, went I, right down to the wire. I knew it wasn't signed and sealed. I until... just remember from that game, it being the hottest day on earth. And we were at the end and there was no roof on it. And the sun, I, no matter where I went, it was just like, oh, I was like, oh, getting bad here. All my neck was burnt. <laughs> and then we, we went out the end and mate, they were just throwing us over the throwing us over the fence to get on the pitch. They were like, oh, just let them go. But yeah, that was quality. That was quality. They, I think we were there for about two and a half hours after the game. It was madness. It was madness. Yeah, it was madness. Yeah. Everyone came on the pitch and. Obviously, for me, it's my first promotion as in my second season. So, and I scored it that day as well. So it's like, this is just all dreams come through in it, you know. Like for me, as a young age, everyone jumping on the pitch and and try, people trying to kiss me, trying to pull my shorts down. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> people licking my boots. I'm sure a couple of birds grabbed my ass, which I didn't mind. Oh, stuff. I say. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was craziness and. We went in the change rooms after, and obviously the celebration in the change rooms. And then after we came out to the coach, everyone was outside. And man, that was that was mind-blowing. I think it took us like half an hour to get into the coach. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure we were there for about two hours, two and a half hours yeah, after the game. It was chaos, yeah. It was all like this singing. And, and like for me, I was at that point, I think one of the favourites of, of the fans so you were singing my name quite a lot so for me mind-boggling you know it's like wow definitely and then you had the uh the parade around the town on an open top bus as well which was fantastic i was there so the next season it's hard to talk about really because 
I remember clearly a Saturday night game. I'm, I'm going to skip through the season a bit here to to that game. I remember a game on a Saturday where you scored an absolutely fantastic goal. Throw in, took it on the chest and bang, top corner. And then... I limped off. But, you limped but, off. Yeah, you did, yeah. So, that was Sunderland. the game where you got your knee injury. Yeah, so, obviously you guys know, know the history, but I've gone from, at that moment in time, I played for England under-18s. Right. I just pulled up for the 21s. Right. And I was meant to leave after that game to go and join with the 21s. We've been to play against France. So I was at a point in my life where things were going well, you know. I was top yeah, of top of your game. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then we went 1-0 one, one up and they equalised. And then I scored Ben. ben what a goal that was, by the way. Captain on my chest and the volley, you know. That's a great goal. At that, moment, at that moment, that was like heaven, you know. Yeah, I remember that goal. I was in the Vicarage Road, and I think you were as well. I Justin, was, yeah, it? yeah. I mean, it was. Was it on TV? I remember it being a late kickoff Sky Sports, on a Saturday, didn't I? Sky Sports, yeah. It's when they did Sky Sports Free and all that rubbish. You know, like they did loads of. I know they do the odd channel now, but it was on Sky Sports Free. I remember it being like dark. That. It was a, it, it was dark. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Gift, and carry on. No, no, no. It was Sunderland. They were top of the league, so it could have been. On yeah, team. they were flying. Yeah, they okay. Were flying. So okay. the challenge, you know, I think about the challenge. I'll say all the time, but when I have conversations like this and. He's so naive. I was so naive. So obviously the keeper kicked it out. The ball spun. I, bought it, I hit my chest and it ran away from me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, if I skip past Butler, I'm in on goal and I'm going to score again. I didn't realise that he was slowing down and he slowed down for me. And obviously then, that was the day, those were the days when you could tackle properly, innit? When so, you beat <laughs> to crack here, yeah. So he, wait, he slowed down and waited for me and he gave me a great, dirty, horrible, fair wonderful, disgusting challenge, you know. It's so much mixed emotion because I've seen Robbo make a million of those tech challenges before. Yes, so. of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then after that, I broke my kneecap. A lot of people thought it was my hip and stuff like that, but what actually happened is I broke my kneecap. Right. So I broke my kneecap. It was, that, was, that was the first thing that they was worried about. Right. But then within about a week or two weeks, I, just, I couldn't move. I had arthritis in all, in all my body. Arthritis took over my body. I couldn't do this. Really? Well, you had that anyway. No, it was never. No it, one. It, no one right. Knew. Okay. I never had arthritis. I was always fine. Never, no problem at all. Was this as it a result of that challenge then, Gifton? Yeah, from that from that challenge. Wow. Like a week later, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I couldn't put my own socks on. I couldn't clench a fist. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So then that that was a whole three months of going to specialist after specialist, um, being told that I have to retire. Like there's no professional footballers that play with arthritis. It's impossible. I'll never be able to play at the top level. Speaking to CEOs, owners, um, that was interested in me before. And now talking to them and them saying, well, we can't sign you because we'll never get insurance on you. So basically my career is over. Oh. <clears throat> so that was, the, that was what was going through that time. I was trying steroids, legal steroids. That was yeah, through, yeah, yeah. through doctors and stuff. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't giving up because I, I never ever give up attitude. But the pain I was in, I didn't really go. I used to go in just twice a week because I was in so much pain. I couldn't really drive. Mm. Someone had to drive drive me around. Wow. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a dark time, you know, for me. Elton John found a, 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 not a cure, but a medicine called Embryo. Right. And he saw an article in um, America. So he contacted the gaffer and said, well, I've seen this thing in, in thing. Let's give Gifton a try with it. So the gaffer was like, well, we can't really afford all that. It's a lot of money. Elton said, I'll pay for it. Oh my God, <clears> so I didn't Elton know this. Yeah, okay. I paid for all my treatment, all my flights, everything. I went to Boston, I got treatment, and I it went to remission. So it was in remission, but 
the arthritis was still there. Yeah. And, uh, lots of fans don't realise this, that but <clears throat> when I used to play, after my body would swell up. Right. So say I played on a Saturday, my body would be swollen until maybe Tuesday morning. So you couldn't train? I couldn't really train at the beginning, right? Wow. So sometimes we had played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and Watford fans would see me hobbling around a little bit. They would think I'm not giving a lot of effort. It's because I was in this scrutinising pain. Wow. Imagine I played from I was 19 to I retired. Imagine playing with a small little pebble in your in your shoe. That's what it feels like every single day. Really? It is what it is. You know, listen, I'm not I'm not saying this for the sympathy vote. I played, I, I got told to retire when I was 19. Which is ridiculous. I, I, told them, I told them to get lost. Yeah. And I played yeah. in yeah. um, the Premier League not many times, but I played in the Premier League. I played you scored in, against Arsenal. scored against Arsenal. I played, against, I played in Spain. I played in America. So I thank God to you know for small mercies that I was able to still have a career at 19. You're going to have to retire. So even though it wasn't the career that maybe potentially I could have had, but I've, I had a career. And Yeah, man. No, well, no, good attitude. Well, the name That's Gifton Noel attitude. Williams is certainly one that I'll always remember. You know, I've been going yeah. to... I've been going to Vicarage Road since I was 10, which was back in 1984, 85. You've been going since about 80, 89, did you say, Carl? 89, yeah. So, you know, players come and go. You know, and there's players that sometimes someone will mention a player and I go, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. But the name Gifton Noel Williams is, you know, firmly ingrained in in my mind as a, as a Watford player. You know, it's it's there. So you must have done something good, Gifton, because you're not one of those that I have to be reminded of. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad's still upset with you that I wanted your name on my shirt because it was the longest. It was, a, it was like a pound a letter and he was like, really? Yeah. Are you, are you taking the piss here? Yeah. You can What's have, going on? You can have smart. Club, me. They love me, by the way, the club shot. They were like, they? Keep, scoring goals, keep scoring goals, man. I, to be <laughs> fair, mate, if you, if you could, you'd probably put your boots on and, and get grab some goals this season, I reckon. Wow. Someone needs to. We divulge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, I, like you, you just mentioned there, Gifton, you then went on to play for Stoke, uh, and you then went on to play for Burnley, you've played for Brighton and Hove Albion, um, you've played in Spain, like you say, uh, and you've played in America. Is there any highlights from your time away from Watford that you, you know, you would like to talk about? Yeah, I, had, I think Stoke was good, interesting for me, and uh, it, was, it was a highlight for me because... I've, I've got a story about Stoke and you. Have you? Go on, give it to me. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell you. You won't remember this. Uh-huh. And I've been... I, a couple of people know about this story, but I'm going to tell you, right? Hey, so, sorry, by the way. No, you should be. No, don't be. <laughs> <laughs> so, many moons ago, my wife's actually... Uh, she's from Manchester, but was uh, brought up in Stoke. Okay. So, she came down here. I met her. We moved up to Stafford, just outside Stoke. Right. I, I got a job uh, as, a, as a landscape gardener. So, I used to do all the landscaping. And we got this contract, uh, and it was for a new build at Trentham Gardens, or just yeah. near Trentham Gardens, yeah? <laughs> so he knows where I'm coming now, look. right? <laughs> He's laughing and, already. And th- this is more to you, Justin, yeah? So Stoke <laughs> had bought a, kind of like a, or I don't know how they'd done it, but there was a few Stoke players. I knew there was going to be a few Stoke players in this sort of cul-de-sac, all these brand new builds, and we were, we were laying the turf for, for everything. Mm. So I get the job sheet, I go around, I knock on this door, door answers, gift to Noel Williams. And it, and all that come out of my mouth was <laughs> Gifton Noel Williams, and he went, "What?" I went, "Gifton, I'm a Watford fan." And he was like, uh, "Are you here today?" <laughs> are you here today?" I was like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, 
And I had to, so I had to lay the, the, the front garden. We were laying the turf and on the, on the plan, there was a tree. Now this, we had to put a tree in the, in the outside of your front garden, right? Now this is in the depths of winter. Yeah. So we're out there for a couple of hours. We're doing it, get it all done. And I'm like, right, Gifton's in there. I'm making this proper. We're, this is going to be the proper job before we go. So we put the tree in, everything. It's all good. I'm like, okay, knock on the door. Do you want to just check it, make sure you're happy with it? Gifton comes out and he says, uh, bruv, can you not get me a tree with leaves? <laughs> I went, Gift, Gifton, it's the depths of winter. They don't come with leaves this time of year. He's like, I didn't know if he was joking. I was like, I didn't know. I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. God, I love Gifton so much. I don't know what to do. And then, <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, okay, um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll phone the office, I'll get you another tree. And I'm pretty sure somebody come around and put another tree in. I could be they wrong. Did, they did, did yeah. they do it? <laughs> it looked like a twig, though. It did look like, do you remember it? Yeah, I remember the tree was just a dead, I thought it was dead. <laughs> you know, it was dead. So I was like, well, can't can you give me a tree that's alive? Like, yeah, kind of... that was me. <laughs> that was Carl quality that yeah. <laughs> no, was quality but I, it, it, I, I was more shocked with myself because I just went the last person I expect to see is Gifton Noel Williams answer a door in stone Can I, yeah. I knew he transferred there but I was just yeah. like <laughs> Gifton Noel Williams <laughs> like, that's fantastic but yeah that's fantastic no, that you had a good time you done well at Stoke because obviously I was up there at the time when you were there and I, I used to go over a they loved you, the Stokies. Yeah, that's I love. I enjoyed my time at Stoke. You know, was, really... you were, was it uh, Adi Akin? Ad, uh, not Femme, Akin Me and Adi Akin Bai, Yeah, he we, was a beast, mate. That's what I mean. We was we was problems for people, and we yeah, the fans loved us for the way we played, and it was aggressive, and it was fun. It was fun times. It was it was actually weird because I was top goal scorer first year. I was second top goal scorer. Second year I was top goal scorer, and then they offered me a contract with less money. What? Really? That doesn't yeah, sound yeah. like much of an incentive yeah. or a reward to me. Yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Who was, who was the manager when you went there? Was it the, the well, Dutch guy? No, Tony Pulis was the manager, right? Oh, it was Tony Pulis? Yeah, now the problem with Tony Pulis is that he left that year to go to Plymouth. That's it? So That's he, it on, yeah, he, yeah. He wanted me to go to Plymouth. Oh. So I was thinking about going to Plymouth, but I was thinking, I've got to move my family again. Yeah. And, and you've got a nice tree you know, now. Yes. Exactly. I want to look at that tree every morning. <laughs> That means finally blooming, you know. I mean, got some leaves on it. So, I because of Addy left to go to Burnley, that's why yeah. I went to Burnley because he went to Burnley and he was unhappy because he, he weren't get he, with me and him played, we played, we complimented each other. Yeah, so yeah, he told Steve Cottrell, Well, you need to get if you want me to score goals, get gifted. Yeah, it's Cottrell, wasn't it? Burnley, yeah. So I went to Burnley and I want I want to skip the Burnley chapter. We're not interested in Burnley. Yeah, nah. I scored a hat- I scored a hat trick at Burnley, but apart from that, let's skip it. Let's skip that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's skip that bit. Oh so, yeah, another highlight. Talking about highlights and stuff. Um, when I went to Spain and I played for Real Murcia, we got promoted to La Liga. Wow! And that was yeah, that was crazy because the Spanish, ah, oh, the Spanish, the Spanish, the Spanish. I love the Spanish. They-, they love it. Yeah, they it's a whole different world, you know. They they. I thought I love football. And I went over there and I was like, wow, you don't love football enough. Really? You know? They're quite they passionate. Love it's, they a, it's a language out there, isn't it, football? Yeah, they celebrate life, you know. Little things. So in England, you may have some musical in the change rooms and someone may dance or someone might do little bits and bobs, but it's quite, everyone's having a conversation, quite chilled. In Spain, they won't have no music on. Someone will start singing. 
and then someone else will start banging on the window, someone else will bang on the table, and someone else will start dancing, and before you know it, they're having a festival in there for half an hour. Oh, wow. Wow, like, this is life. This is before training. Everyone in England normally is miserable. Morning, yeah, morning. Monday morning. Before training. It made me love love life more and love football. Just, you know, just enjoy it. because. It's Did you enjoy the culture out there? Did you enjoy it? Loved it. I was yeah, still yeah. in Spain. I had my second club, Elche, didn't pay me. So I didn't get paid for a year. Wow. So that's, wow. why I left, that's why I left Spain. Because another club couldn't guarantee they'll get my money. So that's why I left Spain in the end. Otherwise, I would have stayed in Spain until I retired. Wow. I love the culture, the language. Did you pick you pick some Spanish up? Yeah, Diablo put Espanol. Come estás? Bien, you too. Muy bien. And that's it, is it, Carl? Are you going to carry on the there conversation? There you go, it's me done. <laughs> you must know one of Sabesa, por favor. Uh, two oh, beers, beer. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I got the beer on. I might, <laughs> have, tried, I might have tried that one myself uh, in Spain. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Then from there, you ended up at Millwall, where you had one appearance. Um, I, sh- I assume you went on loan to Yeovil, did you? It was a crazy one. So when I came up from Spain, I didn't play because of my contract. They, when I was in playing for Elche, they didn't pay me, and then I was one game short of a big bonus. Right. So they didn't play me. So I didn't play for March. And then I signed for Millwall in, I think, October. Right. right? Oh, wow. So you can imagine, I haven't played no football. I haven't really trained or nothing. So I came back. I trained for a couple of weeks and I was all right fitness. And because Kenny Jackie was the manager there. Right. I trained a bit. Kenny thought, boom. Oh, yeah. I played. had the worst 45 minutes of my life. <laughs> at half time, I told Kenny to take me off. I thought he took me off anyway. Was this sure him, just playing badly or you were in pain? It was just because you were playing badly. I, I was just dreadful. I was <laughs> off the pace. Imagine I haven't played a match. No, I, that's fair months. enough. Yeah, yeah. So I was off the pace. I was absolutely dreadful. I'll I hold my hands up. So then Yeovil wanted to sign me, but I chose Millwall instead because it was Kenny. Right. So then I contacted Yeovil. My agent contacted Yeovil and said, well, if you want gifting, he'll go now. So I went down to Yeovil and spent a month or so, two months down there, because I was going to America in February. Right. Did you go to, did you go to Brighton as well? I've got vague things of you being in Brighton. Yes, when I was alone, when I was at, Bra- at Burnley. Um, That's it, yeah. I went alone at Brighton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just vaguely remember you being at Brighton for some reason. I just... Yeah, that was good fun. See, I followed your career. You followed me to Stafford the store. Yeah, he did, I know. He's bad like that. Did, mate. Couldn't live without you. You, you can't now stop. Got, now I've got you on a podcast as well. I know. This yeah. isn't the end of it. He's going to carry on. So it looks like you then sort of um, went to America. You went to Austin. Um, and then DFW Tornadoes. Forgive me if I don't know where that is. Where is that? Oh, right. So Austin Aztecs was in the USL. And that was a proper team. Right. Then what happened is I retired. That's when I kind of retired, really. Mm. I said, I've had enough. So I started coaching and started up in my own academy in my own club. Right. So in the meantime, I met a guy from England. He was, they have like a, it's like a PDL team. So it's like a 23s, under 23s kind of team. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. PDL league. And they said to me, Gif, I've got a lot of young players. Would you mind coming along? Like, you don't have to train with us. Just come along and play on a match day and kind of mentor them and stuff like that. Right. <clears throat> we'll give you a bit of money, pay for your expenses, so and so. So I was like, you know what? I've retired. I've, I've just retired. I wouldn't mind playing on the, on the weekend. I said to him, I'm not playing up front no more. I want to drop off and play like number 10. Right. And then just kind of enjoy football and just enjoy the games a bit more. Right. Yeah, yeah. Being up there as a battering ram. So um, he said, yeah, that's fine. 
So I just done that for a season just to have a bit of fun, really. It, was, it wasn't nothing serious. It was just a right. bit of fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I retired at Austin Aztecs. That was when I finished playing serious football. That was it. Other one afterwards, just a little bit of fun or to help him out. So, so once you... So just take me through. So in your head, you go, right, okay, the body's now like... It's not... I'm trying to, you know... Right, check my body can't cash anymore, so I need to. I need to do something else. What's the process then of getting your your badges, your your, your coaching badges? Because I assume you need those to. You can't just turn up, say I'm Gifton or Williams. I'm going to coach you. you. You obviously need some sort of accreditation. Do you just is that funded by the clubs or is that like all on you? What, what, what's the kind of process? I'll run you through. I'll run you through my process. My yeah, yeah. So um, basically, started in America, and how I started to coach was because I had some parents begging me to coach their kids, do one-on-one, say, I'll pay you $100 an hour, just pay, just coach my kid. And I'm saying, I'm a footballer, I'm not a coach, I ain't got time for Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I'm, I need to sleep so I can recover to play, blah, blah, blah. Towards the end of it, I got injured. I pulled my hamstring, so I was out for six weeks. So during that time, someone said, well, please coach, coach my kid now. You're, you ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> no excuses right. there. Yeah. Fair point, fair point, you got me there. Yeah. So I started coaching kids and I fell in love with it. So that was my transition from playing to coaching was very easy because I had people that was willing to help me and to help me grow my club and stuff like that. So there was a lady called Donna Morrow, um, lovely lady in America, and she was the one that pushed me really to get my badges and stuff in America. So I went for the, U- the USB license and she got it, organized it for me. I went to LA and I'd done two weeks out there and I got my B license. And I was going to do my A license, but um, I thought to myself, I want to come back to England at some point, so I'll just wait. So I was in America for five years, enjoyed my time for five years out there, but I came back. When I came back, my B licence was worth, my passport was worth nothing, basically, in the coaching. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to start again. So I'd done, I done my B licence over here, then I'd done my A licence, and then I'm actually going to start my pro licence in March. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Because so. you're at Billy Ricky at the moment, aren't you? No, no, I'm not at Billy Ricky, no. Are you not there anymore? Right. Okay. No, I, was, I was only helping Jamie out because I was I helped Jamie through his, his level two and his B license. I'm his mentor. So because oh, cool. he did a wicked job, I jumped in with him just to help him out for Got you, got you. And then he wanted this season he, he wanted to bring his own people and do it his way. And that was all always our agreement kind of thing. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm not there now. So is that is that your is that what you want to do? You want to go into the, the coaching management kind of side of it or Yeah, eventually. Um once I got my pro license in a couple of years. Um, I believe that the American market will be my market. I think yeah. I'll go be a manager in the USL or somewhere like that and then try and make my name as a manager. Cool. Um, I'd love it to be different. I'd love to get a job in first team over here or, um, but being, being realistic, I'm not going to get a job. How do you, what, what do you have to do to get a pro license, a pro coaching license? Because I've never really understood what the process is to get that. Right, so um, I'll walk you through the license a little bit. So level twos, is basically about can you put a session together, basically. Right. B licenses, and it's small, level two is quite small numbers. B licenses, can you work with, with teams that are with 16 players, more players, working up to 10 v 10? Can you handle the team, give them technical, tactical knowledge as well as the social and physical side as well? Right. The psychological side. When you go to your A license, it's more about tactical awareness and are you tactically aware of how your team's going to play? in eleven v eleven setting, um, setting the environment, um, working setting your environment, working with staff members and stuff like that. Right. When you go to the pro license, 
<clears throat> it's not so much about the coaching, about what you do on the pitch. It's about all the other stuff. It's about how would you deal with your first 21 days if you was a manager? Um, how would you deal with your... How would you manage upwards as well as managing downwards? Right. How would you talk, deal with people upstairs? Um, it's more about the transfers. How would you deal with transfers? If you had a budget of 10 million, and wow. these are players, players you have, blah, blah, blah. And it's in books. Yeah, so it's more on that side of, of, of the thing and learning the management side of things. Mm. So that you're basically you're a pro. Basically, you, as a coach, you can handle the stuff on the pitch and you also have a good awareness of the stuff that happens behind the scenes so you don't get caught out. Because if you look at a lot of managers, I think before, um, black managers as well, but white managers also, they're good players, but then when they come to the NBA managers, they couldn't handle it because the boardroom, the, 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 the setting, the finances, all that kind of stuff, mm. they weren't used to it. They want to do the stuff. Yeah, yeah. All the stuff in the afternoon that they have to do, they weren't ready to do that. So yeah, yeah. Me doing a pro license will prepare me, I believe. And I work with, I work, I go down to Portsmouth and I work with the attacking players at Portsmouth with Kenny. Uh, right. Oh, with Kenny. Yeah. So me work. I do it twice a week. So, but that also gives me the chance to work with first team players. They're doing well. They're doing well, Portsmouth. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm working with first team players. I'm working. Any chance with you could come and show um, our strikers there? <laughs> no, I tell you what. You talk about that. I've I've been, it's a, it's a dream of mine to be a first-team coach at Watford. I know it sounds, people might think it might be sound crazy, but I think personally, and this is my personal opinion, is that the glue that keeps the club together at the moment is, at the moment, is Troy and Ben Foster. But they're the thing that has been, the continuity has been there over the yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about English, Watford, understand the culture, understand the values of Watford. The community, everything, yeah. Everything, yeah. Right? yeah. Foreign players coming in, it's hard for you to expect them to fully understand the culture because they're coming mm. from somewhere else. They need to be taught the culture. Mm. So if you look at the coaching staff right now, there's no English ex-players, someone who knows the Watford culture. Right. right? So I believe myself, and I'm maybe I'm pegging myself, tripping myself for a job here right now, but let me do it anyway. Um, We're think, doing it. We're doing it. If yeah. I, was, I was someone like myself, Tommy Mooney, it doesn't have to be me, someone who's, Played at the club, understands the club, loves the club. Yeah. Um, Compared to the fans. If they were part of the coaching staff, that would keep a continuity. No matter what manager come, comes in now, because you know, at this club, and with the way that Gino and the, and the family run the business, mm. you know, and, and it's the way they run it, and fair play to them. Mm. The managers come in, and then when they lose their, their mojo, they go. Mm. So having someone like myself there that could continue, new manager comes in. Is that continuity? I'm, I'm English. I've been at the club. I'm still the youngest goal scorer. I love Watford to death. You know, the fans would can relate to me if the the manager's going through hard times. Yeah. Put me in front of the camera. Let yeah. Me talk to them. Yeah. I'm sure the fans would give the manager a few more games if I'm if I'm asking them to to to, mm. to give the manager a little bit more time. You see what I'm coming from? Totally. No. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, I yeah, really really I'm sold. I hope that happens, Gifton. I really hope that happens. It won't happen. I don't think it'll happen. And that's that's well, the sad part. Let's but, let's not rule it out. I hope it does. I hope it does happen. I really do. I think there's um we we've touched on and just going into this very quickly, but we we've touched with other players, <clears throat> you know, even like up to Nicky Wright, who we had on fairly recently, about how the club's very much a community club and 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 so forth. And me and Justin are, are both of the same opinion. And look, I'm not asking you for your opinion on it, but this is our opinion as a fan looking in is that the club has lost its connection with us fans and the community, and especially the the biggest thing is. Graham Taylor and what he stood for and what that, you know, what he built that club to be. None of that exists really anymore. And I'm talking about things like 
going down to Westfield School in the summer holidays and gifting old Williams turning up and talking to young kids about, you know, how to be a professional footballer and just as simple as that, that's gone. That well, doesn't... I think, and I, but I think that the club hasn't... I, I, I disagree with you a little bit. Because Go I on, think that's the, good. The club have still got the community side. They still do a lot of things for the people in the community. But I do believe, yes, I knew the club as a family club. We would go and we go to the Watford in the community and spend an hour and a half there kicking around with the kids and doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that it's not being done as much, but I don't think it's more... I think, again, and I'm plugging myself again. Good. Someone was my, myself, no, but someone like myself was in the club and close to the players, close to the management, and, I'm, and I could help relay that message to the clubs that we, we need to be close to the supporters. We need to go to the hospitals. We need to go and to the community schemes. We need to go and, and be out there in the community and let them see us. And the, the players have to be held accountable for these things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if the players are being count, held accountable. So you can't really blame the players because they're not, you know, they're not being held accountable for something. Then mm. you're not going to necessarily do it because you don't know the culture of the club. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, it'd be a link, so, wouldn't it? Well, it would be a link. It would be a link from the sort of the old days, if you like. And I, you know, don't really want to use the term old days, but it'd be a link from your time at the club. We to know Williams old. He's forty, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> but it'd be a link from your time at the club to the present day. So it'd be there'd be a link yeah. there. Yeah, I can see that. You know, I don't, I don't think we can go back to the Graham Taylor days because if you look at the no. club then, it was different. It's oh yeah, no, no, no. It was different. The players we've got at the moment, or not at the moment as much, but the players we've had over the last few years have been really high-profile players, and and things are things are moved on. The club mm. moved on leaps and bounds mm. from when back then days. But I do believe still there could be some of those old values yeah. still installed because I believe that the fans still have those old values still installed in them because you are the same people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. The players have changed, but you haven't changed. <laughs> Just a quick one. Did you ever have in any of your, your contracts at Watford a, a segment or a conversation that you had to spend a certain amount of time doing, especially under Graham Taylor, doing things like hospital visits or the stuff at Westfield School or anything like that? Was that ever in the contracts? Or? We used to have a rotor. So we used to have a rotor and I think we had to do, I think it was three or four appearances every year. Right. So it was a rotor, three or four appearances every year. And then on top of that, you'd get to know people in the community and the Watford Trust and stuff and they'll say, I'll give... Um, can you come for half an hour and do this? Or or some will say, um, I've got a trophy presentation. Can you come and, and, and hand out the trophies for me for an hour and stuff like that? And, you know, for me, it was, I don't know. I'm, I I think things are different. Things are just different. Yeah, they are. They are different. What I mean by that is, I grew up, I played for Arvinsdale. We had presentations. Ian Wright came and done our presentation. Wow. Yeah. And he was saying, he'd done a little speech at the end of it. And he said, I'm, I'm going to leave now, guys, but take care, blah, blah, blah. Everyone rushed him. Ian Wright stayed there for about three more hours. He yeah. had a couple of Guinnesses with the parents. He was chilling, relaxing. That's it, isn't it. I said, if I ever make it, I'm going to be like him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If you ask any fan about me, when I played, never refused them. Always signed over. Well, I, I'll tell you something, Gifton. My brother had a... Um, he used to coach up at Clement Danes. I can't remember when this was. Probably about 2002. And we asked for a Watford player. I think we probably asked for you specifically... And you came up, you coached the kids, you posed for a photo with my daughter, who was one at the time. I said, they are Gifton. Hold my daughter for a second. I have a picture of you and Scarlett when she was about a year old. Um, and you gave a lot of your time. You could have just said, thanks, kids. But no, you stayed. I think you signed autographs and you, you posed for photos. So from first-hand experience, I know that you used to do that. 
But I think that's the way it should be because I think that the fans are the ones that really pay your wages because they're the ones that cheer you on the weekend. There you go. So the way I look at it, I've only realised this now I've retired, but loads of games when I played absolutely crap, I was just running around. <laughs> yeah. I feel cared for me because you like me. Yeah. Because you yeah, yeah. like yeah. me as a person. Yeah. And you feel, oh, I'm going to stick with this guy. So keep going, Gifton, we're with you. Yeah. Now, you're, if you're I, still like that though, because uh, again, very quickly, because I'm going to get onto the question shortly, but I live in Northwood and I, my wife and I run the Gate Pub. Right. I bowled into the Gate Pub one night, I think it was a Friday, and my wife says to me, sure there's an ex-Watford player sitting outside. <laughs> what? So I walked out, Gifton, oh, Williams is sitting there. <laughs> I told you, you he's stalking you, didn't I? I told yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. We sung, and, and you were eating your dinner and you were eating something. I went, Gifton, I'm really sorry to disturb you. I just wanted to say I'm a massive fan. Shook your hand and I left you alone. Yeah. But you could have said, oh, bruv, leave me alone. I'm eating my dinner here with, you know, whoever you were with or whatever. But you weren't. And that's that's a testament to you because, you know, you appreciate us fans. And that, that for me, is the biggest thing that you, you haven't forgot that. No, without us, without the fans, we're nothing. Well, yes. I realise it now. Now people are really, really. Save that. Well, I, well, <laughs> I, well, I think there's really a few. It now because the players now don't want to play at the moment. Everyone's mm. playing. Everyone's playing, and they're getting on with it. But no one wants to play without fans. Yeah. Wow. And now they're realising we need the fans. The fans are important. We need the fans are the heartbeat of the club. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Could you imagine suddenly playing in empty stadiums every week? It must be really weird. Oh, I would, I would hate you. Okay, that's mm. the whole point. I love, I used to love running after a ball that I know that's going out, running after it because I knew as soon as that ball goes out, the whole the whole stadium's going to stand up and start singing my name. Wow. Right? No, really. Kenny Blackwood <laughs> taught me that from young. Wow. Right? You make half balls into good balls or you make non-existent balls into a half ball, the fans will always be with you. Yeah. yeah and, and, that's, and that was that was always something that I just knew the fans were always with me. And that always, Sound advice. You know, you know yeah yeah well like i say you know there's a few names that ring uh through the ages and you know yours is one of them have you come back as one of the legends at half time yet by the way um i don't think i've officially come back at half time well that needs to be done because some of the legends that they're bringing out i go who (laughs) i don't know about you carl but sometimes i'm scratching my head going he had about three appearances didn't he so it's about time we saw well dominic foley oh well let's not talk about dominic foley he's one of our uh Least favourite players on the podcast. <laughs> he's a good lad. Was he's a oh, he's a good lad. All right, okay. He's redeemed himself. What you feel as a player, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm just saying. He's a great lad. He's called, he's called a weldy. We, I keep getting thrown in my face. He's called an absolute weldy. He did the volley. Yeah. Yeah. We do have a few questions from listeners, which we, we'd like to go through very quickly before we let you go. So this, uh, so Gifton, this one comes from um, a uh, chap called Damien Smith. It's been highlighted many times how black managers aren't given the chance at the top end of football. Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard have both been given ho- high-profile jobs, yet Ashley Cole, Sol Campbell left to start at the bottom to work their way up. Having started your coaching career some time ago, how have you found it and what's your views on it? Have you ever gone for a job and thought, I didn't get that because the colour of my skin? Um, yeah, I've been for a few jobs, like even under 18 jobs, 23s jobs. And I found out that a guy who's feel like 20 something has got no experience of playing, got the job. And they'll give me the, the loose excuse of, oh, he's done an audit before. That's why we gave him the job. 
and I look at it and I think, well, what more can I do? You know, I've got the experience of playing. Mm. I've done my I've done my grassroots with coaching. Yeah, I've yeah. Coach from babies all the way up to pros. All I need is a break. Um, yeah. You do get that, but but you know what? My thing is, I feel that don't complain about stuff and don't worry about stuff too much. I feel, I'm a person. I want to break down doors. I want to break down barriers. So some black people might hate me for, for saying this, but how I look at it is this, right? If you look at I've got a white owner, right? Let's be real. Most owners are white, mm-hmm. right? They're, or they're foreign. And if they're foreign, they hire a foreign coach. So you've got a white owner. And I'm going to ask a white owner, me, myself, can you give me five million and all you, what you own and I'm going to look after you for? Mm. Is he really going to trust me or is he going to trust someone who looks like his son? But that right? does seem now, ridiculous, now saying, Gifton. It really I'm does. Not ridiculous, I'm not saying ridiculous, but then, right, that's just the reality of it. Right. Now, this mm. is what I'm going to say. Is, if you look go many years ago, the only foreign coaches here were, it was all about Scottish coaching managers were the best. Right. Scottish managers were the one. Yeah. yeah English as well, but Scottish. They love Scottish managers. Right. Mm. All of a sudden, Arsene Wenger came over, smashed it. All of a sudden, everyone wanted foreign managers. So I'm of I'm of the belief. This is my personal belief. I'm of the belief that if more black coaches have the positive attitude to keep going, mm. eventually there'll be enough black coaches in the market until someone does really really well. Yeah. yeah. And then once someone does really really well, a trend will come. Mm. So and it will happen. At, at the moment, there's a new trend right now, and the new trend right now is employing new young managers that played for the club. What I mean by that is Frank Lampard's Wayne Rooney's. Right. Now, what happened yeah. is that with Lampard, it happened by mistake because they had no choice, because they had no money. So because mm. they had no money, they needed someone to work with the youth. So Lampard was an easy choice. Right. And mm. Lampard done well. So then because of that, Man United thought, oh, let's try it with Oli. Right, so yeah. Oli yep. So they tried it with Oli, and now Oli, Oli's in there. Right? And then Rangers thought, oh, let's try that with, with Stevie G. Right? Stevie G. So then, then all these young managers started getting, and then people started doing well. So because they're doing well now, now someone says, well, let's try Wayne Rooney. Let's mm. try someone else. Mm. So now I'm looking to see whether that carries on to a young, famous black player, ex, ex-international that is just about to retire. Mm. Jermaine Defoe, if Jermaine Defoe retires in the next in the next couple of years, is Jermaine mm. Defoe going to get a job? Because mm. Jermaine Defoe has been around long enough where he should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to be a manager. Mm. Yeah. So I want to see whether that becomes a trend and then a black manager gets in that way. That might not be the case, but I think the more black managers that are black coaches, black managers, black black um, admin people, black SNC coaches, black physios, black not everyone has to be a manager, black black technical directors, black 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 CEOs. Yeah. Then the more the more people that are in positions, yeah. then decisions could be made a little bit different. Mm. But while people are just there on the on the on the street level looking up complaining, we're never going to get nowhere. So mm. I so I like the movement at the moment. What people is happening with people through the aid of not only is it black, it's white people are helping, black people are helping, Asian women, men is everyone. Everyone's helping. There's a movement going on right now. Yeah, it's good. I think, I think with this movement, you may get more black people, people of descent, um, minorities, women in positions of power mm. where they yeah, can yeah. decision makers. Now, when you get that, then some of the decisions that are made, who comes in, who goes out, might be made a bit different. So I just mm. think I think it's a process, and I think just stick with the process and believe in the process. And I'm a believer that I'm going to be a manager. Good, I'm going to be a manager. Even I like if that. I go to um, Uzbekistan. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do it. That's what I'll do. China, mate. You need to get into China. China. 
Malta, anywhere. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Yeah, I'll do it, yeah. I'm going to be a... <laughs> That's amazing. I was five years old and I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a professional footballer. Yeah. I'm, I'm your show and I'm saying I will be a manager. That's an amazing cool. gift, and I love that attitude. I love that attitude. I think that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Right, next question. This comes from Stuart Davis. He says, and he starts a question, remember me and my dad used to have a laugh and joke with Gifton before games about us backing him first goal scorer all the time. We used to sit in the rookery behind the goal. We won a few quid. He ran over to us to celebrate our winnings, if he remembers. You know, to be honest with you, I can't remember. I can't remember there was bits like that. I used to have a bit of banter. I can't remember exactly. But I remember there were some people that said to me that they're, they're betting on me for, goals, for first goal scorer. And I yeah. remember a couple of times when I when I did score first, I, w- I knew where they were. And I went, oh, <laughs> that that is is to fantastic. Yeah, I can't honestly say, oh, it was this was his name. And that's yeah, 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 yeah. But if it was you, I do, I do remember us having some banter in the day. That, that was part of the time at Watford, you know, I... There'd be so many things I'd have banned with, with the supporters before games. It would be a period, five minute period of time before warm up finishes and us going in, where Graham Taylor, Taylor allowed us to go into the fans and sign autographs and do stuff like that. So we kind of got to know the fans quite well. So it was, it was, it was really good times. That's brilliant. That's cool. I That's love good. that. There you go, Stuart. Like that one, mate. Uh, next one. <laughs> this isn't really a question, just a comment, but I'm going to say it anyway. This comes from uh, Will Kirch, and it's the question is. I'd like to ask Gifton if I bear, if I buy him a pair of boots, is there any chance of you getting yourself fit and helping our team out score a few goals? He said that. Well, I the, fact, that the fact is that he's coaching Portsmouth forwards at the moment, but you know we could really yeah. we could do with some help at Watford at the moment. We're not scoring very many goals, Gifton. Like, if Watford wanted to employ me as even if like, I'll go and volunteer, if they say once or twice a week, come and work with the strikers, I'll volunteer my time. I wouldn't well, need to get paid. We need to send that score- on. Is scoring goals confidence? Is that a lot of it? Forget your ability. It's confidence, it's, habit. It's uh, it's a bundle of things, you know. Yeah. You you have to have a certain eye for it anyway. In general, a certain you smell it. You smell where to be. You know, a certain anticipation. You know that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the first bit to be in the right place, and the rest of it is just confidence and repetition. You know, if you're hitting a bat back of the net and you're putting yourself in a certain position over and over again during training during the week. When that comes in a game, that once or twice comes in a game, then you're, you're ready. You're on. You're on it. You're there. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. You're not training that way, or the sessions are not for that, or you're not practicing. Like, I'll give an example: a lot of players they'll go for the week, and you lost the striker. How many times have you like shot? How many shots have you had during the week? And you'll be like, well, maybe about fifteen. Fifteen shots a week, like <laughs> two a day. <laughs> two a day, yeah. <laughs> How are you going to score the weekend then? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got to sharpen your tools. You, know? you have to sharpen your tools every single week. You know, you can't, you stop sharpening your tools for one week. They got to be done. Yeah, yeah. That's, mm. that's my personal opinion. But I'm sure. No, I that's cool. Nick, Nick Wright tells a story of, a, uh, well, not a story, but like from Graham Taylor, he used to have this thing about tracking the back post. Yeah. And if the ball got across the, the thing and nobody got to it, you'd dad it. You were getting it. Yeah, there was... I could I could talk all day long about Graham Taylor. Um, <laughs> we talk about goal scoring area where the balls where the balls are scored from. So he would sit down and go through every single game from the weekend and tell us where the cross come from and where the goal was scored. Wow! He'll give us a chart of a pattern basically. So I knew basically if the balls in certain areas of the pitch, if I should get in these areas in the box because normally the ball comes into these areas yeah. and goals are scored from a one touch finish from the head in these areas and from your feet in these areas. 
Wow. Sounds really crazy, but I just kind of knew where to be. And Graham where to be, yeah. How to sniff, sniff out gold because uh, from, from little things like that. And that analysis that he did helped you? Oh, it's mad. It was mad. Graham, Graham Taylor does stuff now that I see they do on Sky Sports stats and stuff. And I think, well, you're, you're kind of... He was ahead of his time, wasn't he? Way well ahead of his time. Amazing. He done his pen and paper. right we've got two more left so this comes from Chris Adams Um, and again we touched on this very briefly because I remember this Uh, do you have the scars on your legs when you took the ball into the corner flag for the last five minutes to see out time at home against Bristol City you seem to stand on the ball for ages with uh, with your back to the game while groups of red shirts took turns at booting you from behind (laughs) I remember that memories in it yeah I remember that (laughs) And you were literally, you, uh, with the greatest respect, you didn't give a shit. You were just like, <laughs> whatever. Because the gaffer told me, the gaffer said, keep the ball in the corner. So if the gaffer says, keep the ball in the corner. You keep the ball in the corner. You keep the ball in the, in the corner. corner. So it was just finding different ways to get other corners, get other, get free kicks. And I actually found it funny because, I don't know if you remember, but it started off with one guy coming. Yeah, yeah. And then I, got, I, kicked, <laughs> I kicked off another, another one. Then they passed it to me again. Two guys came. I was holding one off there, holding one off there, <laughs> and blaring the ball. Then I kicked off his leg. The next one, three or four of them came. Yeah, there was lots of them. Took me out, and I was thinking, so we got a free kick. And then I think I got about five or six free kicks in the end. I just, it was for me, it was just, it was funny because the fans, <laughs> the fans were just laughing, and it was just, they were like, way, way, way. It's quality. You know, it's a, look at this. this. That happened in 1998, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it would have been around that, yeah. 1899. And imagine we're still talking about it right now. Like it's 20 years movie. later, Gifton, yeah. Uh, stuff like that, stuff like that you can't buy. You can't buy a test you know, you can't get that No, stuff. no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Right. Uh last question comes from David. I mean again, this is probably a a, a very question, but how do you feel at becoming Watford's youngest ever goal scorer? Pride, I guess, is your is your biggest one, isn't it? You know, I'll be honest with you, I talk about it to now. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie to no one. I talk about it to now because I feel to myself, after all these years and how many players have come through and I'm still the youngest goal scorer, mm. you realise that it was actually something really big that I've done in nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. Massive. You know, you yeah. think like from nineteen ninety six to now and no one's beat it, it's like wow. No. I know the game's moved on, I know that kind of stuff's happened, but still I feel like that was one of my biggest achievements, I suppose, as a, as a footballer, and I suppose it keeps it keeps me in uh, the folk the folklore of Watford, I think, as well. You know, definitely. I'm still having the goal, youngest goal scorer. So when people are talking about stuff about Watford, they still mention my name for a number of reasons, and that's a pride that. You know, yeah, even, that's good. That's dead, good. They'll still be talking about it. <laughs> well, we are. There you go. You see, sort of twenty four years later, we still are. No one's broken it, so it's still yours. It's <laughs> fantastic. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Gifton, for joining us on the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really, really enjoyed myself chatting about Watford, the old times, the things that I love. And, you know, I'm glad that I could actually give you guys some good memories. And I hope that, you know, with a new generation, you get more memories with them coming up and there'll be more good football to, to be seen this season. Well, let's hope so. Definitely. <laughs> Gifton. Gifton, from a, sorry, from a personal note, I just wanted to say look, a, a huge thank you for wearing uh, the yellow. Um, as I, I don't, again, I don't want to say grow up because we're, we're close age, but 
you were always a player that I looked up to and admire, still admire, not only as, a, as an ex-player, but as a human being as well. I think your attitude is, is something that isn't, is rare nowadays. And, uh, mate, you should be proud of that. And I'm certainly proud to have uh, to watch you in a Watford shirt. Definitely. Thank you very much, Carl. Appreciate that. No worries, man. God bless you, Gifton. God bless, Gifton. Thank you. See you, guys. Cheers. man. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.